Hello and welcome to the Glad Tidings Everton podcast with me, Greg O'Keefe and Paddy Boyland. We are going to talk a little bit now about Duncan Ferguson, Big Dunk, the guy who's kind of made Evertonians probably feel like this this is their club back in the short period as interim manager. Um, some fantastic results. And obviously we've, we've, we've discussed and written about Chelsea and the incredible afternoon that was when he stood in at short notice for Marco Silva. But um, I should say, so we're also going to talk about the forthcoming Christmas fixtures. Burnley home. Oh, nightmare here, aren't they? Newcastle, Newcastle away. away. Man City away. And we will discuss Moise Keane. But let's let's start with Duncan, as I say. Um, you were there at Old Trafford on Sunday, weren't you? And he had a few uh, surprises up his sleeve and another really impressive performance from the dugout, really. Yeah, I think when the team news dropped, <laughs> I think we all collectively feared the worst because not only did we have the existing injuries to the likes of Jean-Philippe Gbamin, Fabian Delph, um, Andre Gomez, um, injuries across the pitch, Theo Walcott, but on top of those you had Gilfie Sigurdsson and Jabril Sadibi pulling out through illness pretty late in the day. I think Sadibi was Friday evening when he when he was taken ill at the, the hotel. Um, Saturday evening, sorry. And then Gilfie Sigurdsson, the day of the game, was still touch and go. And not many people know this, but Ferguson delayed naming the team for <laughs> for Sigurdsson in the hope that he would be able to fit into midfield, that Holgate might be able to go and counteract the pace of of some of the um of some of the Manchester United attackers in defence. So hats off to him for, for what he did. All the disruption, a severely, I think we're fair to say, a severely depleted team at Old Trafford. But as he did against Chelsea, he managed to get a tune out of the players. And it was, in some ways, the same tune, but in other ways, completely different. And maybe they weren't quite as expansive going forward. Yeah. Maybe they didn't create as many chances as they did against Chelsea. But for the most part, they were really, really secure defensively. Mm. I can only think of one big chance for Manchester United. And that came in the first 20 seconds yeah. for, for Jesse Lingard. Yeah. Apart from that, particularly in the second half, Mason Greenwood scored, but that was a goal you would see scored one in every 10, one in every 20, mm. potentially even one in <laughs> 30, 40. It was, it was not a clear-cut chance. And they didn't really do much else apart from that to trouble Everton. So I came away with this really odd sensation of being happy with the performance, happy that they'd fought against the odds to, to get a result, but almost being slightly disappointed that they hadn't held out because yeah, yeah. United didn't produce much from open play. It was a, it was a good tactical setup to, to negate their strengths in the main. And it just goes to show what a fantastic job Duncan Ferguson has done yeah. over this period, kind of revitalised the dressing room, got them all playing for each other. He's got that, he struck a chord with the fans. He's... Um, got everybody pulling in the same direction again yeah, yeah. and everybody at Everton we hear has been impressed by what he's done and I think that's a credit to him for, for that because he's been up against it the odds have been not in his favour but he still managed to get a, a, a victory against Chelsea a draw against Manchester United the draw in kind of quotation marks against Leicester followed by the defeat on penalties that with the options at his disposal is a majorly impressive haul, I think. And it's partly why 
he's deserved to be kept his place in the um, in the dugout. Absolutely, I think as well. Just little touches and flashes of real managerial savvy and, and know how to go with the rabble rousing and the genuine passion. But let's say you know the, the the sort of more showy elements of what he's been doing in the dugout, your jacket off, rain drenched, and and you know balling up the players and keeping them ultra focused. I love the way he lets Sky, old school, school to agree, he lets Sky and everyone else, including the Solskjaer, guy, <laughs> think that, that we were going to go with five at the back. And then, you know, just at the whistle went, I'm sure you were as surprised as everyone else. You saw, you saw Mason Holgate step forward into midfield. And in game, that's very difficult for United to initially deal with and figure out. They've got to adapt then. And I'm sure it helped us, you know, weather the initial kind of. It's storm from a team that were going into the that game on form. So really, really smart. Wednesday, again, I don't think it was a case of Ferguson getting it wrong so much as the natural um, ability of anyone to get these the players, the, the squad, so, as you say, so depleted over the line in another game. And to say that he did, you're right, he got the draw in, in ordinary time. Um First half was poor, wasn't it? It was a contrast to Old Trafford and Chelsea. It just wasn't happening. For me, the players looked leggy. And in fairness, he addressed this. I don't think the formation was working, was it? No, it seemed like a step too far. Even from very early doors in that game against mm. Leicester, the players, like you say, looked a bit leggy. On the ball, they weren't ever, I don't think, fantastic against Chelsea or United, but they were better on the ball than they were yeah, at, I agree at, at Goodison on, on Wednesday. So it felt like everything had dropped off a level or two, perhaps understandably, given that you're asking some of these players to play out of position yeah. three times in quick succession. Yeah. Some of these guys, like Leighton Baines, for example, have only just returned to the fray at all, haven't played much football this season. All those things, I think, conspired against Everton in that first half. And you are right, I think, on the formation as well. Whereas a four four two with those kind of really compact blocks is good when you're stifling a Manchester United away from home because they don't want they don't want to have to have the ball and pick through the lines. Yeah. They don't have those players. No. I think Leicester are a little bit more adaptable yeah. and also have that extra man in the midfield. Yeah, so yeah. you've got yeah. you've got Madison, you've got Pryor, you've got um Yuri Tielemans as well. And that kind of created a bit of a numerical overload for Tom Davis and Mason Holgate. They were just able to pick those passes a little bit too easily against the leggy Everton, a leggy Everton that was surrendering the ball, kind of with... And we were awful in possession in the first regularity, half. Yeah. Really bad in possession. Like we say, that I, I don't think we can go overboard on criticism there. Just the fact that some of Everton's better ball players are injured. Mm. Andre Gomez, Fabian Delph, some some of those guys, Gilfie Sigurdsson, Morgan Schneiderlin even, they all use the ball better than the lads that that were in the team on Wednesday. Where you can give Ferguson and the players massive credit, though, is from half-time onwards. Absolutely. Yeah. Because if if somebody had asked me at half-time whether it was likely to finish 2-2 and head to penalties or finish 4-0 Leicester, I'd have probably gone with the 4-0 Leicester, yeah. unfortunately, um, knowing the way they are and what Everton had at their disposal. There's a tactical change. Um, we give credit to Ferguson for all the kind of the tub thumping, the passion, um, reigniting the passion among the fans, among the players. But there's more to it than that. And when you look at it, the cold, in the cold light of day, at the, at the bare facts, 
he makes a tactical tweak. He goes to something more akin to a 4-3-3. And you've got three strikers pushed on, giving Leicester problems, a more competitive and combative midfield. And Everton looked a million times better yeah. in that second half. It was a it was a good performance. It was a rousing comeback. And they were unlucky in the end, I think, to, to bow out at all. And given what they have to contend with, I think that's a, it was it was almost a massive achievement in itself. It's still a defeat, of course, in reality. They still bow out of the cup, um, the Carabao Cup in the quarterfinals. So it's disappointing. But Ferguson's results are there for all to see. What he's been able to do for this football club. You've had conversations and I've had conversations about him and what he's done. And I think everybody at Goodison's been impressed. Yeah, by absolutely. by what they've seen yeah. um, over the last couple of weeks. And we've known that Ferguson's not wanted the permanent job yet. He might and at some point in the future, but he's felt he's needed to learn the ropes. But if this was an audition to retain his place as part of the backroom staff, to potentially put himself in the frame long-term to be an Everton manager in the future, my point, my contention here is that he's he's done himself no harm at all. Absolutely. He really has. It's been an emphatically impressive and convincing audition for, like you say, greater involvement in the in the first team setup under Carlo Ancelotti. Um, and the promising thing is that, as we understand, that he's very kind of acquiescent to that. He, he's up for. He's done it at Chelsea. Uh, he's done it at Bayern. He, he wants someone with links to the club involved, and hopefully, he gives him a much greater remit. And, and actually, the club insist on a much greater remit than he was given under Marco Silva. And he's also planted the seed very, very firmly now that in the long term, he will be someone who's going to very much be a contender to manage Everton in the future. But yeah, he, he, was, he was terrific. And um, I just think he looked devastated on Wednesday night. He did. Uh, he spoke about tears in the dressing room with some of the older lads and my heart broke for Leighton Baines at 35. Seamus Coleman maybe as well. Seamus maybe. Wondering whether or not they'll have a chance to win a trophy with Everton now, albeit we've got the FA Cup obviously in January, but that's a taller order. Um, he looked a little bit drained, Duncan. I'm sure because he, he he wears his heart on his sleeve so literally um, for the the cause for the club he loves. I think I'll be glad when he can just for the time being not have to carry the weight of this on his shoulders <laughs> and pass it on. You know, have passed it on, but of course he he really has, like you say past this audition with flying colours and um, he passes on the gauntlet now. What do you think the challenges of Christmas bring to us? Because I think I wrote in my piece on Athletic that for all the brilliant things that he's done and made everyone connect with the feeling of this is Everton again, there are still some problems with the squad and we're still in a not really very healthy league position. So there's two games on the horizon uh, over Christmas anyway, which is what we're talking about. Burnley at home and then Newcastle away. What do you feel about those two? In theory, it could be six points, couldn't it? But then again, we've traditionally not done very well away at Newcastle. But let's start with Burnley. What do you reckon of that? Well, the first thing is the really important games. At the moment, only at the moment, Newcastle are a direct rival. And Burnley aren't too far away in in the table either. So these are games that Everton will look to win. The games that Everton should win, really, in theory. Um, I, I just think it's it's complicated quite a lot by the situation over injuries. I was just going to say, we need desperately need some of those players back, don't we? And uh, Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think we do. And more than anything for me, 
what we saw during Ferguson's spell as interim coach was that he was able to get Everton back to foundations, to principles, and they were able to hit a bottom line that saw them get results. They mm. were able to far surpass that, do what they needed to do, pick up results. A lot of the characteristics we saw in those games were kind of what I would consider to be hard work, um, structure, organisation, um, a bit of luck where they needed it as well with own goals and with the way the ball dropped at times. I just feel low in order to beat Burnley and Newcastle, it's a different challenge completely. And whereas totally agree. at Manchester United they went and they had the ball yeah. 35% of the time probably. Against Chelsea they had the ball a third of the time again. Burnley and Newcastle play better without the ball as well. Mm. So the onus, particularly in the in the Boxing Day game, is going to be on Everton to break Burnley down, mm. not the other way around. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's where... Neither team are going to want the ball otherwise, are they? Well, well, no, so quite what happens there, <laughs> I, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily lend itself to a thrilling footballing spectacle. But it's not, ab- it's not about that at this moment in time. It's about Everton getting results yeah, by, yeah. by hook or by crook. That's still where we are. And in order to do that, in order to break down that low block to get around it, it's going to need more than punts into the box, Calvert-Lewin winning flick-ons. Especially against their centre-backs. Tarkovsky and me are going to deal with most of that, aren't they? Well, that's the, that's the one thing they would want to. The, yeah, against. they'd love that. Yeah. Sheffield United were the same. Yeah, and that's why, that's that why all day. They've, they've struggled against those types of teams. Even when earlier in the season they were in a bit better form, they, they weren't able to pick that lock mm-hmm. because there's there's not a load of creativity in the side. Um, you've got kind of you've got a Wobi, Bernard that can create stuff, Sigurdsson to a lesser extent too, but potentially from dead ball situations or from long range. Those are the skills that are going to need to come to the fore against Burnley Absolutely. and probably Newcastle as well because... There's not a lot of creativity in the ranks. That's where a, a partnership in midfield of, say, Tom Davis and Mason Holgate, for all its merits defensively and in terms of energy, that's where that could be found out a little bit. So the Everton need players back, but they also need to carve out a different game plan of feel that will focus more on subtlety than brawn or physicality. Those sides will, will lap that up if, if you face it too much. don't know if you agree. I think that... that just for me, we're going to see something diff. We need to see something different over the next few games. Let's talk about Moise Keane. It was it was a difficult afternoon for him on Sunday to be in that situation, being subbed on and then subbed off, um, and then not to kind of get the acknowledgement from Duncan. I think that was a very rare semi misstep from yeah. Duncan. But yeah. the mitigation being, I don't think that they're not. In my opinion, I don't think not sort of putting an arm around him as he came off. It was a deliberate slight. I think even Duncan was just too absorbed in the tactical focused on getting focus the result. On getting the result yeah. which I'm sure most Evertonians will say, no problem with that. He came on on Wednesday in the second half, um, and I thought he did largely did a lot better than I've seen of him. He didn't score. He wasn't perfect, but he was better, and his attitude looked all right. What do you make of the situation with Moise? Well, just scaling it back to the game against Manchester United last Sunday, I, I can kind of see both arguments here. Because, first of all, it becomes an issue from the moment at which he's substituted. That issue is exacerbated when there's no eye contact, when there's no kind of any any kind of communication between the two of them. And Moise Keane walks all the way down the sideline to the Old Trafford Tunnel. It yeah. just makes it look ten times worse. 
And I think even if you, you make the tactical decision to substitute somebody like that, and I can see the merits of it, actually, um, even if the initial decision to sub Mon in that position might have been wrong, I think even if you do that, you've kind of got to extend an arm to somebody like that. You've got to understand the merits of um, managing the situation kind of yeah, effectively a bit of reconciliation. Look, here's why I've done it, but you're still in my plans kind of thing. Ferguson obviously missed out on that, but this is where I see the other side of the argument because as a short-term manager, your focus is not on necessarily on Moise Keane's True. well-being for, ha- for a half an hour period. It's on what you're seeing transpire on the football pitch to, the, to your other side. And at that time, Manchester United developed a head of steam. Uh, Luke Shaw was bombing on from left back. They were getting down the flanks. Yeah, Keane wasn't doing what he'd been told to do defensively, was he? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. And I think maybe it wasn't even that he was deliberately defying orders. Oh, no. But that he, he, seemed, he seemed a little bit off the pace. He struggled with the tempo. He didn't seem particularly fit. Like, he'd make a lung-busting run. And then you would see the lungs collapse <laughs> right there in front of your eyes. There was a there was a situation where he won a corner and you could see him visibly gasping for air mm. um, in the six-yard box. All those things will have been apparent to Duncan Ferguson. And I don't think he'll have wanted to risk United getting that late goal. So that, that's why it happens. How it was handled afterwards, I think, could have been better. But the the narrative here, I think, is that from that point... Ferguson does everything he can to bring the player back into the fold. Brings him on against Leicester City on the Wednesday night. I agree with you. I think it was a better performance from Moise Keane. A performance in a more familiar position. He created a chance for Dominic Calvert-Lewin down the right. Not every ball stuck with him. And I think the first touch is something that obviously needs a lot of work. The back-to-goal play. But he's got some elements there that Everton can work with. And he caused, at the very least... He caused that Leicester defence a headache, a few problems that they hadn't had in the first half, and Everton looked more coherent in, in the attack. So you've got to give him credit for that. You've got to doff your cap to Ferguson as well for making sure that this didn't continue as an issue. Because if Moise Keane hadn't come on and he'd thrown Anthony Gordon on as his first substitution, again, that becomes a headline. Yeah, um, exactly. for some Snubbed. For, yeah, for some outlets, a 25 million striker left on the bench at the expense of an academy prospect, for, for want of a better phrase. So he handled that well. He Keane was part of that stirring fight back. And um, I'm sure will be delighted with the prospect of, of linking up with Carlo Ancelotti, a, a fellow Italian. Someone who's spoken very well of him in the past, someone who speaks his native language. I, I genuinely wonder whether or not the communication issue between Duncan and Moise Keane might, <laughs> might just purely be Moise He's a 19-year-old Italian whose English isn't brilliant. Maybe he struggles with very thick Scottish. Well, I mean, you wouldn't be surprised, would so, you? Uh, exactly. So he, he could well really feel that this is, is going to benefit him. On the other side of the pitch, we saw Alex Awobi, and, and you and I were talking about this earlier. He, he didn't do enough for me on Wednesday. I've got to see, I hope to see a lot more from him against Burnley and Newcastle. It's a, it's a fair point and he's, he's going to be a really important player because I think at his best, playing in the right position, he's somebody that can get between the lines, does look to create. He's I think he's, the last time I checked before the Manchester United game, yeah, he was in the top chance creators in open play in, in the league. So 
I think centrally, where you use him in between the lines, he's got a role to play. He's got a big role to play in what's to come. He can be a creator for Everton. The problem you've got is, because of the other injuries elsewhere, he's kind of been shunted out to a position on the right. And I don't think it's a position that... He's been poor. We, we have to acknowledge that. Poor with the ball, poor without the ball as well. And that's led to groans um, in some quarters um, with his display, certainly on the terraces. But I don't think, that, like I say, that position on the right suits him. Uh, he's, he's not somebody that's going to beat a man on the outside. He's not really going to whip in crosses all day. And he's a little bit one-paced. So to, to play him in that kind of role, I think, does him a little bit of a disservice. They've had to go with this narrow 4-4-2 while Duncan's been in charge because of a lack of other options. But I would hope that Everton very quickly get to a position in which they're able to utilise him centrally and Theo Walcott or another old-school winger <laughs> yeah. comes back into the equation because Theo Walcott's had his critics as well. Yeah, But we were saying earlier, kind of off-air, that the option of somebody to go on the outside to push Leicester back and for the central midfielders to play into on that right-hand side would have been of enormous benefit against Leicester. Would have been of huge benefit against Manchester United too with Theo's counter-attacking prowess. So there were so many times in that game where I just felt Awobi was hanging back almost, wanting to get involved in build-up when... His job on the right was probably to push Chilwell back a little bit to give him something to think about. And he didn't have a good game. That That's on him, but it's also on the tactical setup. Let's hope we see more because I think Everton's success in the next few games against Burnley and, and Newcastle will largely depend on how successful Iwobi, Bernard, Sigurdsson, those kinds of players are in creating chances, penetrating a low block creating chances absolutely. For, for the Everton strikers. Yeah, absolutely. Bernard's another one who probably needs to see a bit more from, but albeit he's coming back from a, a pretty serious injury. Um, totally agree. I think Iwobi has, has looked far better in an Everton shirt when he's been central. I liked it. I liked the experiments of having him in the 10 role when it wasn't happening for Sigurdsson. Um, so, yeah, you've nailed it there. We need to start coming to the fore as a team with the ball and breaking down. Defences like Sean Dyche's men and Steve Bruce's side when we go to the northeast, and let's hope that we've got that in us. And uh, well, we couldn't have asked for much better managers to try and uh, in the short period of time he'll have Carlo Ancelotti to to get that firing. We could just do with a bit of luck on the injury front, couldn't we? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, you can read our stuff, me and Pad's stuff, on the Athletic site, and in order to get. Uh, at this time of the year, quite timely, 40% discount. You just need to go along to theathletic.com and enter the code EVERTONPOD. That'll get you a discount. We're one of many, I think it's 11 or 12 podcasts on there, including ones by people like David Ornstein, who's been uh, really sort of helping us with his Arsenal expertise yeah. in covering the, um, the the recent manager search. So that's always an interesting podcast, David Ornstein on Mondays. And there's plenty more there. Michael Cox does a fascinating tactical one. So I couldn't recommend those highly enough. Um, Thank you very much for listening and we'll be back soon. Mm